So maybe it's PTGD, post-traumatic game disorder. Game disorder. Yeah, this is a new one. We want to see you wearing a little more of those polos, Spencer. What's your count now? <laughs> we're just talking strictly BYU polos, probably like 50. And I'm at zero, Todd, just so we're, uh, <laughs> so we're out here. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Ball night! It is postseason game day for BYU baseball. And to help us set the tone for that properly is none other than senior star center fielder Mitch McIntyre. You're the renaissance man, Mitch. I, mean, I could introduce you as a pitcher, too. Like I feel like you've played a bunch of different positions for BYU baseball, but are you okay with center fielder? Yeah, I'd say that's a good uh, title for me, for sure. Yeah, I appreciate <laughs> I'm a, that. <laughs> I'm a Mr. SC Top 10. You, you made some incredible catches the last couple of weeks. What's it been like to, uh, to shine in that spot where you're always ready to go? Man, I don't know. I mean, some of those catches even shocked me. But, um, no, I'm just happy, um, trust my teammates to, you know, make good pitches. And then when they hit it to me, I just try to, you know, go up there and catch it. So, try to make it simple, I guess. Would you rather hit a home run or make, like, a sprawling diving catch in center field? Ooh, that's a hard one. I mean, since I pretty much don't have a home run this year, I'd definitely say home run okay. right now. Uh, uh, well, can get I, any of that if I can get it, yeah. Let's but, go early um, Early karma boost to you to get a home run in the WCC go, tournament. BYU Sports go, right? karma. Yeah, I love that. Just no, I totally – I think they got a right, uh, short – Fortune right field. Okay, too, so let's just knows? call it New Yankee we Stadium. Love that, right? Just yeah, right field. Yes. That, I love when when someone hits a home run that super shallow right field, and they go, "This only would have been a home run in this stadium," which is just crazy. So yeah, in Stockton. Okay, you're playing LMU. It's a playing game to the double elimination uh, portion. So it's it's fun to have that sort of pressure, but also like, hey, we got to win to advance, right? So how are you guys handling that? And against a team you just played three times. I know it's kind of funny that we literally just finished our series with them. Um, but no, I'm excited. Um, we didn't have our starter that's starting tonight, Jack Sterner, um, for the series. And so it's kind of funny. I feel like that's a really good thing to have just because they haven't seen him. So, um, man, we're feeling confident, especially seeing them and just seeing their level of play and, um, yeah, seeing, you know, what we can do. And so I'm feeling good. I'm feeling excited. Ready to get after it. Sure, yeah. Again, having won 11 of 13, you bring in some serious mojo and great momentum. That said, you lose to LMU 17-7 to on Saturday, and I had a few BYU fans say, Spencer, they just beat BYU by 10 runs. Are you worried about this matchup? And I said, listen, baseball is an interesting sport. You rest a bunch of guys. You get ready for the tournament. How would you answer the concerns of any BYU fan that's worried about what LMU did to BYU on Saturday? No, yeah, totally. I mean, baseball's kind of uh, crazy how it can do that, but we kind of did something different this weekend and um, didn't, I mean, have Jack start. And so it kind of was different with our pitching staff. But, um, but I mean, no, I'm, I'm excited for this weekend. I think hopefully maybe we just wasted all of their hits so they don't get any today. <laughs> and, you know, maybe we'll, we'll get all the hits. So um, I'm thinking, I'm hoping it's going to go that way, and I'm feeling pretty confident. So. They used all the runs, all the hits. Exactly. And, uh, right. Yeah, it'll be crazy. <laughs> this tournament is a war of attrition with, with pitching um, because if you, if you guys successfully navigate this and win this tournament and go to the NCAA tournament, 
you will have used every pitcher probably, including yourself. So what's it like going into a tournament knowing, yes, we, we, we want to be here for the long haul, but we've got to win this game at all costs just to get to the next game. Yeah, no, I mean, we def- yeah, definitely. We're going to have to use all the stars that we got. Um, but, I mean, our pitching staff is really, really great. I think they got the lowest ERA in all the WCC. But, um, but I mean, yeah, man, they're studs. And uh, so I trust them out there. And I feel like we've got a really good defense. This is probably the closest team I've ever played with. Um, and so I think we're all just for each other and playing good baseball right now. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Mitch McIntyre of BYU Baseball is with us on BYU Sports Nation. The Cougars open up West Coast Conference postseason play tonight. Single elimination game against LMU. If they win, they're into the double elimination format with the top four teams. Uh, Mitch, we should congratulate you again on a third straight year receiving West Coast Conference postseason honors. And just so you know, you are BYU top 10 in career statistics in the following categories. Uh, 10th in at-bats, 8th doubles, 4th in walks, 4th in games played overall, and number one in being hit by pitches. Are you proud of that statistic? It's funny because, honestly, if there was a statistic to be for me, it would probably be that, hit by pitches. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it just correlates in a weird way. But, um, I mean, yeah, I guess so. Uh, Who knows? People either wanted to hit at me or or throw at me, I guess, or (laughs) – I don't know, but I guess, you know, getting on base is what I pretty much try to do. So I guess that worked out. (laughs) Yes, get on base. That's the point, right? How much uh, sort of skill is involved versus you just got hit? Um, I'd probably say it's more just got hit. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I should have got out of the way on some of them, but (laughs) I think it shocked me more that I just – it just hit me, you know? (laughs) Have you become numb to the pain? Like, is your body just used to it? it's funny because they say, you know, once you get down to first, it's the pain supposed to be away and you're supposed to be fine. But sometimes it's not that way. It's still, it still rattles for a while. So someone who's yeah. never been hit by a pitch said that, right? Like there's, <laughs> yeah, like, right. Totally. Like someone like me, uh, you know, someone, someone who would say like that. Okay. So go, the, talk about the mindset going to this tournament because you guys have won nine of 10 in league, 11 of tw- uh, 13 overall. You guys are hot right now. How do you keep that mojo going in a tournament that you need to win to uh, go to the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a fun time to play with these guys right now because um, I think things are starting to click and we're starting to kind of really get hot. And I feel like that's pretty much what all that matters in, in baseball. I mean, when I went to the tournament three years ago, we were having a great year. And, and sadly, I think we went two and out um, and just kind of didn't get that hot at the right time. And so I think this year it's kind of different in that ways. We're starting to get there and get hot. And so, man, I think we're just excited to be still playing with each other. And, um, you know, everybody's kind of starting to click and and getting their rhythm. And so I think, you know, tonight's going to be a good one. And, you know, I think we're going to be here for the rest of the week. So Mitch, let's take a wide angle lens here. How are you different as a player compared to the last time you were playing in Stockton in the West Coast Conference Tournament compared to today on May 25th of 2022? Man, um, I don't know. Probably experience, I guess, when you've been here half a decade um, and, and get to play you know, college baseball for that long. Um, you pick up on things, and 
I think, you know, just mostly understanding who I am and um, using my speed or just any way I can get on um, on the base path to, you know, put the next man up and score me. Um, so I think just realizing my strengths and trying to play more to them and rather trying to hit the long ball every time and usually not working out. So, um, but yeah. Chicks dig the long ball though, Mitch, right? Still? I know. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm hoping that maybe they dig the, you know, diving catches in the outfield or yeah, oh, yeah. Like yeah. You know what they too, really but... love now that I heard? Hit by pitch. <laughs> oh yeah. You know. I could tell him nobody's been hit by a pitch more than me. So. Are you the guy that's you're, number one? In you're the tough history? guy. You got the you got the you're the you number one more ranked than man card guy on Wally the team. Wally Joyner and Corey Snyder and and all these guys, unbelievable. Well, let's uh, give us to BYU Sports Nation karma. Good luck tonight, uh, ten Eastern on BYU Radio, and uh, we expect a, a fun tournament. Good luck. I appreciate that. Thanks, guys. You got it. Thanks, appreciate Mitch. It. Mitch McIntyre, BYU baseball, hanging out with us on BYU Sports Nation, dude. He he's, he's awesome. He's he great, is great player. Great such, player. such a great player. And I know he kind of was giving himself a hard time about, you know, not having a home run this year. He absolutely has the power to do that. Yeah, talk about, you know, is he a five-tool player? Mitch is very close to that, Jeremy. Everybody's got a role. Very you close. Everybody doesn't need to hit homers. Like, get on base, play great defense, prevent runs. Like, he does so yes. many things well. Yes, and defensively he had so much. And then his versatility as a pitcher, if he needed to, is pretty awesome. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. We've been talking about 8-15 kickoffs for years now in independence and just kind of a thing that we've had to do as we bring in Spencer Linton. And Spencer, this has been a, a thing for BYU fans where, oh my gosh, it's so late. But we, we've had to deal with it, right? Now there's a quote from Tom Homo to the Oklahoman. And oh, by the way, coming off of some of the uh, spring meetings with yeah. the new Big 12, here's the quote. I get all kinds of complaints when we have another 8 or 8.15 kick time, but we're on TV nationally. And when we're on TV nationally on the big game, we want those games. That's one of our pillars. We want those exposures. We understand that could be a factor. Homo said he thinks it's unlikely every BYU home game will be late night as part of some Big 12 package. Now we have a quote, but we'll have more than our share because it's a valuable slot for the Big 12. So are we okay? Are you okay with uh, 8 or 8.15 times in the Big 12? Totally okay with this. And I think the Big 12 wants that time slot. Why not dominate the day? You can have the big noon kickoff if the Big 12 is involved in that. And then get to a 1.30 kickoff, a 5 p.m. kickoff. Why not dominate the entire day? And there will be 14 teams as of now within the Big 12. So... You've got Oklahoma, you've got Texas, you've got Oklahoma State, all early during the day, and then why not have BYU in an 8-15 kickoff representing that late window? I don't want all of them, but I'm okay with a few of them because I understand how the business works. And the big, like part of the Big 12 choosing BYU was, yeah, let's venture into a new time zone. Let's venture into that mountain time zone, that West Coast frame, and be able to have Big 12 football be on all day. So I'm okay with it as long as it's not every game. Just give me like one, maybe two 8-15 kickoffs. Other than that, it's probably too much, too many late nights. The question is, are we okay with it? Yeah, I'm okay with it. I, I don't love it. I would prefer that they be earlier in the day, right? Um, you know, selfishly as someone who, uh, you know, we have the honey-do list and then the game's like, yeah, I can, quant- I can kind of 
push that there. Depends. Do I have 9 a.m. church or not? That's the real question. I do. You, you know what I mean? So <laughs> I'm mostly kidding on that. But I, I get that BYU understands, hey, if we want to be exposed at the highest level, we've got to go to that time sometimes. Because would you rather be on ESPN or ESPN2 at 8 or 8.15 or on CBS Network at any time, right? It dep- I would rather be on ESPN than not be on ESPN or any ESPN, right? Um, I would almost rather be on ESPNU sometimes than, than uh, like FS2 if it came to that or something. FS1 anytime. So it, it depends on exposure. Also, we can blame the Pilgrims for these issues, right? And the Pioneers to some degree. They came to the spot where it was least populated. In the Eastern Time Zone, 50% of the po- population lives there. And then it's a big chunk in the Central Time Zone. And then it's a, and then it's a, a, a you know, significant portion in the West Coast, but it's not like the East Coast. Mount Time Zone is the least populated time zone. So we've just, we've just got to uh, tip our cap and go, it's okay. How picky do we want to be? as a Western Power 5 expansion team. Because we are in a unique time zone. We're new to the P5 game. We're new to this conference, right? I don't know that BYU can be that picky in this situation. We just kind of have to take what the TV uh, slots are and and deal with it. I'm I'm with you. I'd prefer that they not be late. But it just kind of is what it is based on where we are in league and geographically. Yes. Big 12 after dark is now a thing. (laughs) It's not just a Pac-12 thing. Big 12 after dark is now a thing. Can you imagine? I mean, think about the BYU-Virginia game, the 66-49 shootout. Like, that's going to happen in the Big 12 with BYU. Texas Tech. I would think we'll have that once a year. Like, I'm not even kidding. (laughs) Big 12 defenses aren't that great, right? And and the offenses are tremendous. And, And we're used, yes, Big 12 after dark. It's fun, like, Hawaii has a niche because of their time zone. Boise State built its brand on winning first, but also winning in a unique time slot where guess what everyone's doing Friday night that isn't in Texas going to a high school football game? There, there is a college football game or two that are on if you want, and that's a decent time slot. Let's be honest. Thursday night's a decent time slot too. It sucks for preparation, uh, whether you're home or road. If you're road, it's terrible. Um, and, and there might be more Friday night games here. Remember, the Big 12 is going to lose Texas and Oklahoma. It's two biggest brands. The Big 12 is, is competing with the ACC and the Pac-12 for that number four spot in relevance in, in conference, right? Or maybe even three. Uh, obviously, SEC, Big 10, and then you're like, okay, what's the next one? So, yeah, third, not fourth. You, you almost have to – it's a TV show. Like, it's a TV show. You have to go to a slot that makes sense. And sports is the only true reality TV show left. The fans of The Bachelor would argue it's that, too. Um, but besides that, it's like, yeah, you got to watch live. So how picky can you be is the question, and I don't think BYU can be that picky. My two favorite time slots for a college football kickoff time are 7 p.m. Eastern, 5 Mountain, and the 3.30 Eastern, 1.30 Mountain. There's nothing like Saturday afternoon football. Yes, and we missed that because it was the whack, and it was like on in stakes. And if you want the prime time, you want the early prime time slot, right? You want to start at 7 o'clock on the East Coast. Yeah, 6, six on is prime time. Sure, yeah. 8 p.m. To, Eastern, to 6 11, Mountain. Because BYU is going to play Notre Dame in that 8 Eastern slot, correct? Like five, It's 5.30 Mountain time. Okay, yeah. so yeah. that's the perfect slot. That's my number one, and right. then 
The afternoon kickoff at 1.30 Mountain, 3.30 Eastern is second. Yeah, it's not ideal to start at 8.15, but it's part of the deal. And I do kind of like the idea of Big 12 after dark. It just is what it is. Uh, we just got to do it, and, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Since 2011, so independent. 30 of BYU's 52 ESPN home games have started at 8 or 8.15. Wow. 58%. I didn't realize it was that many. I would, if I'm the Big 12, I put BYU in 8 or 8.15 in Provo, like three or four out of the six. I, I just do. You want to dominate the day. You want to. You want that window. Because, listen, you've suddenly added East Coast teams as well, right? Eastern time zone. Sorry, not East Coast. Eastern time zone. Well, in the case of UCF, More than it is an Eastern Coast team. Right? And Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. Cincinnati. And is West Virginia in the Eastern time zone? I don't I think so. West Virginia is in the Eastern yeah. time zone. They're yeah. just not on the coast. Yes. But close enough. And it is our question of the day today. Yeah. What is your optimal kick time for BYU home football games? I just told you mine. At Grisfather's chiming in, Jeremy. This is great. I like this one. This is an early elite voice today, perhaps. Early season when it's hot. Speaking of the weather. 8 p.m. kickoff. Love it. Fantastic. Love it. BYU took advantage of that last year. Midseason, when it's optimal weather, 5 p.m. start. Mm-hmm. And these are mountain times, yeah, local to BYU. Of course. Late season, when it's cold, 1 p.m. afternoon kickoff. Why is the BYU TV game at 1 every time? Because the team wants it there, and we go, yeah. Yeah. We're BYU TV. Well, we'll do it's in November. We'll, yeah. Right? It's cold. Yeah. We got lucky last year. It was, it was amazing weather. This year it's November 19th again, and it's, uh, it could be dicey. Send in your responses, hashtag BYUSN. All right, Jerem, on to topic two. BYU, whether they're playing in the afternoon or late at night, they return 85% of the production from last year, second most in college football. We've talked about it a lot. We're very excited about what BYU brings back. South Florida, BYU's home open, or sorry, opening game on the road in Tampa, has the same number of returning production. Yet Vegas says right now this is a 12-and-a-half-point win for BYU on the road. So with that number in mind, 85% of USF production back, are we somehow overlooking the USF Bulls in Week 1? No. They've been 3-18 and the last two years under Jeff Scott, former OC from Clemson. Even no. with the transfer quarterback they, from Baylor and they, Jerry Bohannon. They doth stinketh to me. Uh, they were 100-plus ranked in 20 major categories, 29th worst offense, 8th worst defense. Just because you return those guys doesn't mean they're going to get like vastly better. Sure, you hope for improvement, but this was, this was a uh, game on paper that felt close and looks close from the box score. It wasn't close. BYU was up 21 nothing in this game against USF. Had to ice the game away, but uh, no, it's, it's going to be all right. BYU's going to dominate this game. BYU's too good to... It, like. Will it be closer than we think or something? I don't really care. BYU's going to win this game and then uh, have Baylor at home. No. Well, the 88% of the offense returning for USF, how does that factor in if they're starting Jerry Bohannon at quarterback? Because he wasn't part of the USF offense last year. So does that go away if he becomes the starter then? Well, the, maybe the starter – well, it was uh, Timmy – what's his bucket? Timmy, Timmy – Scott? Uh, no. McLean. Timmy McLean. He's still back, so he's part of that 88%. But, uh, oh, they stink, man. They're terrible. So you're not worried in the least no, not about one the production iota. that USF brings back. <laughs> I'm a little bit concerned because BYU has been 
It's been weird for BYU in the state of Florida. I don't know why. Wasn't weird the last time. Boca Raton, you're right. It took BYU Sports Nation and Jerem Jordan being at the Boca it Raton was, Bowl. Oh, Dylan Gabriel, such a great out. quarterback. That guy's like 5'10", man. Come on. I'm, I'm dealing with a little bit of PTSD with what has happened to BYU in, the, in that state. Tw- UCF 2014, USF 2019. BYU lost to a 4-8 and eight USF team with Jaron Hall in his first start yeah. three years ago. Is this Jaron Hall's first start? No, it's not. He's start. a totally different quarterback. BYU is a totally different team. Way better, way more improved, way more senior Is BYU heavy. coming off of four brutal P5s and then at Toledo? Nope. No. They're not. No, no. Totally exactly. fair points. Exactly. Totally fair points. This, this, yeah, this is why I'm not concerned. So maybe it's PTGD, post-traumatic game disorder. Game disorder. Yeah, this is a new one. Or post-traumatic Florida disorder. <laughs> a Florida man was arrested for a random weird thing with an alligator again. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm, a little, I'm a little worried, but not too worried. I still think BYU is going to win by two scores. Like, that, that's going to happen. 20 years ago. Let's go. We'll find out what that final score is in how many days? Countdown. To the 102. We're approaching 100 days like away that. from game number one. I like that a lot. How, how come the Bulls mascot and sort of vibe is way cooler than Utah State's, despite being know. the same thing? I don't know. Why, why is that? <laughs> I think it's because they have gold and green. I think, it's, I think it's, when I hear Aggie, I think of Texas A&M. Yeah. Agricultural and mining A&M. Yeah. Now, of note... Baylor, out of all the teams that BYU plays this year, yep. they bring back just 47% of their production from last year's Sugar Bowl champion and Big 12 champion team. Strike. Oh, strike. 122nd out of 130 teams. A reminder that BYU had the like second fewest amount of production. And, and they were back still last awesome. year. You're right. And it, yeah, so. The best of BYU Sports Station will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now over Zoom is the play-by-play specialist for the University of Houston Cougars. His name is Kevin Eschenfelder, making his return to BYUS. And Kevin, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much. North Carolina A&T, another set of Aggies that you guys uh, need to know about there. How about so, that one? So many agricultural uh, places <laughs> from you know the 1900s that have uh, phased that out or not. Yeah, there's yeah numerous Aggies, which is fun. Kevin, we're obviously stoked out of our minds about BYU and Houston and UCF and Cincinnati being invited to the new Big 12. We think for the next two years it's going to be 14 teams with Texas and Oklahoma still in. Well, that, well that's a question we've got to ask you. When's Houston coming into the league, man? We've been hearing it sooner. You've got to buy out in the ACC. Wait, what's, or, uh, AAC. What's, what's the situation currently? You know, I would love to give you a definitive answer. I talked with Chris Pesman when, I, when you guys called me yesterday. I just wanted to kind of get the latest on what's going on and uh there's really nothing they can say yet with all of the, the lawyers involved and everything else but uh, I, I think they are hoping they are hoping nothing official that that'll happen uh, for the 2023 season i think is the uh, is the hope for the cougar fans that's not anything i've heard from from u of h officially obviously but uh you know it's going to be up in the air they're going to see how it plays out uh, i think you know both sides are going to probably try to do what's best for them uh for their side which would be you know the universities leaving the american conference and obviously the american conference but as far as knowing about buyouts and and uh, how that's going to play out, uh, I guess that's just going to be a, a wait and see. But I, I do get the feeling that we will get an answer 
sooner than later. It's going to be coming in the not too distant future. Kevin, and is it as simple as just paying $17 million or what are the other super detailed complications involved in besides just the money? Again, I, I, I would love to be able to give you all these. I really don't know. I mean, those are, those are handled at such a high level and you got to be careful when somebody does tell you, you got to be careful what you say, because is it something that's, uh, that it's told to you in confidence? I, I, I don't know exactly how it's going to play out. I know that it, that they're, everybody's going to be trying to, to work out, you know, a situation where they have to, to pay the least amount of money or make the most amount of money uh, on their way out. And it comes back down to that. Doesn't it always guys uh, is, is, is money. And uh, you know, the American conference, they don't, they don't want to have to lose their, their best teams anytime sooner than, than they're going to. And uh, even though they know it's inevitable. So we'll see how it plays out. If there's no buyout to get in early, is the first year 25 at this point? I don't think, I, I think it could happen before that. That's just one person's opinion. I think it could happen before that. Um, I think that's what, uh, I think that's what everybody hopes will happen before that. Uh, but man, the twists and turns that, that come with, you know, what's going to happen with the, with the teams that are the existing teams that are in the big 12 right now, uh, what's going to happen with the teams that are coming in. I, I'm just excited about the fact that, that, that the big 12, not only is Houston getting in, but they're getting in with such, such good programs. I mean, UCF is a, is a, uh, a sleeping giant that, that we saw awaken a few years ago, you know, Cincinnati, uh, I'm telling you what Cincinnati had nine guys go in the NFL draft. I think only Ohio state had more people drafted. BYU is BYU, uh, you know, uh, a program that's that's right there every single year and Houston I think is a program definitely on the come and and uh so I, I just think it's going to be from, from a football standpoint from a basketball standpoint I mean it's going to be a big step in the right direction as far as the Big 12 is concerned Kevin Eschenfelder is with us on BYU Sports Nation when you look at the new Big 12 whenever that happens and whenever it comes to fruition are you in favor of divisions or are you more about Hey, give me pods. We'll figure it out. And just the two best teams playing the conference championship game. I, I go for that. I will say I, I like the fact that, you know, they've got to think about when you think about the pods, you got to think about obviously, uh, you know, regionalizing this. But uh, now you start looking at the adding teams from 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 Orlando and adding a team from from Provo, Utah. <laughs> All of a sudden that region becomes a whole lot bigger. So uh, I don't know how they're going to play that out. I, I have a feeling to uh they're going to probably have those pods, have those uh, divisions is probably the way that it will play out. But, uh, you know, time will tell. Uh, certainly, you, you know, you got to think we think about football, we think about basketball. But, you know, there's the other sports as well that uh, they're going to probably try to do their best to save money on as far as travel is concerned. So we'll see how how that goes. The division thing is really interesting because with the NCAA mm-hmm. saying we're going to we're not going to determine how you determine your championship game matchups. Pac-12 has already said, oh, we're just going to go with the top two teams. It's like, well, what's the point of divisions at all? It's just a scheduling construct at this point. Uh, and we've been looking forward to, well, what division will BYU be in? What teams are they in? What natural sort of rivalries start to start up uh, in the Big 12? I don't even know if we'll get that. Uh, you know, we don't know. And we're supposed to get, uh, in five months, the Big 12 schedule for next year. Is Houston in it? Is Cincinnati it? There's still a lot to figure out here. Uh, that's that's all the moving parts and when you start thinking about this from a administration standpoint a athletic administration standpoint you start thinking about it uh i mean they got schedules to do i mean kansas is on houston's schedule the next two years as a non-conference football team a football opponent so you know how does that play out does that 
Do you lose a non-conference game if you're Houston? Because all of a sudden that becomes a conference game in a couple of years. Uh, yeah, they got a lot of moving parts. And, and uh, you know, so not only that, if you if you lose a game, now all of a sudden you're having to add a non-conference game on a, on, a, on short notice. And, and, and we saw, if there's anything we learned from COVID is that five years but you know this schedules are set five years down the road and that's a bunch of hooey because let's face it we had we had situations where there were games scheduled and you know six days in advance and i was thinking wait what happened to the uh, these schedules are set for half a decade we can't do that until the you know, 2034 you know so anyway uh, they kind of they kind of blew that argument out of the water but uh now it, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out how uh, you know, are you going to be paying teams to to buy them out and not be on your schedule anymore? You're going to have to be adding teams late. So, yeah, it's 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 another one of those. And, and, and I hate to keep saying we're going to see how it plays out. But I think we're just in such uncharted territories because of the unknown. And I think you can say the same thing for Cincinnati, UCF, uh, BYU and Houston, all four of those schools. BYU scheduled Coastal Carolina on a Wednesday. I'm hoping they can do that's it again, exactly, but, but, but not tell right them. There until Wednesday. <laughs> just, just so they have well, to drive their truck all the way across the country. Well, Houston had a, uh, had a game canceled against Memphis, and they added Baylor, which you don't, you don't know. Baylor's about – Waco is about three and a half hours north of Houston. Uh, and, and in Texas term, that's really close. Uh, so we were going to Baylor. I was going – the guys from the radio team, we were all getting in the car, getting ready to go on Friday, and we got a text message. And the color guy goes, hey, game's been called. I was like, what? There's no way. They play tomorrow. Yep. They've been uh, – Baylor canceled the game. So, I mean, it just goes to show you. They scheduled it in yeah. about five days – about five days' notice. Uh, the AD called me on Sunday and said, hey, be ready to do a game next week. I, I'll, I'll tell you – he told me where it was going to be, but don't tell anybody. So if you want to start getting ready for Baylor, get ready for Baylor because I think we're going to play there on Saturday. And then find out on <laughs> Friday afternoon, we already had the rental car, and uh, boom, game gets uh, gets. Wow. Kevin Eschenfelder, the Houston play-by-play man, is on BYU Sports Nation. If you had to pick rivals for Houston in the new Big 12, what teams are those? What, what teams are natural rivals for Houston? Well, I think the natural rival in, in, you know, the Southwest Conference rivalries that, that overlap, I know that's been 30 years since there was a Southwest Conference, but uh, it's still fresh on the minds of a lot of people in this part of the country. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, first game, first Southwest Conference game the uh, Cougars ever played was against Baylor. And as I said, Waco's about three and a half hours. As far as everybody else is concerned, uh, you know, you, you Texas Tech and maybe closer to Provo than it is Houston. I mean, it's way out in West Texas, and it's it's quite a ways away as far as geographical is concerned. But, you know, uh, Cougars have had some good runs with uh, Oklahoma State. Uh, so, you know, hey, I don't see anything natural right now. I will say this, that I, I was a part doing doing basketball games on television of, of Southwest Conference at the end of the Southwest Conference and also when the big 12 started and you know that the big eight did not like a lot of the people that came in from the Southwest conference. And they, in fact, they called it, and they may not admit to this, but they called it the big eight and the four we hate that made up the big 12. <laughs> and, uh, that's, that's, that's a true story. Uh, but anyway, I mean, they, it was, it was that mentality. So I, I think there may be a kinship that you're going to see, even though maybe not geographically, but uh, psychologically, uh, with the fan bases, with with the student bodies that uh, of BYU, of the four teams coming in, because I think there's going to be a uh, for at least for the for the first half decade, maybe there's going to be a us against them, and it, and everybody else is going to be thinking there's it's it's us against them, and so uh, yeah, I think there's going to be uh, maybe a little bit of a rivalry that that grows 
uh, and a kinship that grows between BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston. Okay, before the show, we have a pre-production meeting, and we scratch out a couple of questions so graphics can make some lower thirds and get some B-roll and whatnot. And what's the word I used with BYU and Houston that I wanted to ask Kevin about? Kinship. Absolutely. You just brought it up. Let me, let me say, tell you why. I think there's also a kinship between these two schools. Obviously, Cougars, duh. One Heisman Trophy winner from both teams. From back-to-back years, 89, Andre Ware, 90, Ty Demmer. New entrance to the Big 12. Also a Texan. Also a Texan. Yeah, also Texan. a Texan. Absolutely. Thank you. San Antonio. And uh, recent, together, boys. recent games played. There is a kinship. Did we just become <laughs> best friends, Kevin? <laughs> I, I think so. I think so. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, there, I, I do see that. And, and I think there's a mutual respect between, between the schools. Uh, obviously, that, you know, and, and they have played. It's, what has they played? Is it three times in the last, you know, 10 years? So yeah. three or four times in the last 10 years. So, yeah, uh, Provo is a great place to go play. It's a, it's a great atmosphere for college athletics, whether it's basketball or football. Uh, you know, I think uh, there is a there is a huge everywhere that goes without saying, but but it's here in Houston. And I know I saw that when they played at, at TDCU Stadium a couple of years ago. You saw a lot of people uh, in BYU blue, and uh, so yeah, I, I think there's there, yeah there's there's ties between the two. And I, like I said, Ty Detman, we, Texan. We got to get Gifford Nielsen to a game then. You know, Giff, the, uh, Houston. Houston. long-time yeah. Houston about, guy, right? How about Giff? Yeah, oh, yeah, I know Giff very well. Giff was here for, for a long time, number 14. Uh, Dan <laughs> Pastoridi was the starter. He was the backup, and then he came in. Uh, one, of the, one of the biggest uh, playoff wins in, in Houston Oilers history. Giff Nielsen was quarterback. Uh, Earl Campbell was hurt, and Dan Pastoridi was hurt, and they went to San Diego and, and beat Dan Fouts and the, and the uh, San Diego Chargers with Giff Nielsen at quarterback. Fantastic stuff from Kevin Eschenfeld of the Houston play-by-play man. We know that there's work to do on the BYU side, certainly on the Houston side, UCF and Cincinnati as we make preparations for the Big 12. Cannot wait until we get that first game against the Cougars in red within the current or the new constitution of the Big 12. Looking forward to it, guys. And, uh, you know, okay, it's going to be I, – I think it's going to be a blast. And I think adding – you're adding a lot of quality programs to that Big 12. And, uh, man, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Kevin, thanks for the time. We'll talk to you again soon. Always a pleasure, fellas, anytime. Kevin Eschenfelder. Play-by-play man for the Houston Cougars. His background is better than anyone else's I've ever seen. Did you see what was in the background? Uh, yeah. Hank Aaron, Jeff Bagwell, yeah. Craig Biggio, uh, Kim Olajuwon. And that's just what I noticed. I was bu- we were busy doing an interview. Yeah, that's, so, that's the retro elite backdrop. And we saw that in 2020 when we had him on the show prior to the, uh, the matchup there. But, oh, my gosh. No, it's going to be great. Um, I, I, like those, I like those homies, right? It's like you got nervous on a mission when you're like, dude, who's my companion going to be? Who's in my district? Who's my zone? I like the people that are coming in. I think it's going to be fun. BYU. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. In honor of BYU hiring a new women's basketball head coach, it's time that we look back at the top five first-year performances by new BYU head coaches. Okay. Presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Hopefully Amber Whiting has an unforgettable first year. That'd be great. Number five, Gary Croton, football 2001. BYU went 6-6 six six in Lavelle's last year, so Croton... Starts out, Doman and Staley, 12-0 start, 7-0 conference record, first top 25 finish in five years, 12-2 overall. Luke Staley won the doke. The Dominator, we got some free notebooks. Eventually, there was a basketball hoop made. 
2001 was awesome, man. It was awesome. <laughs> the comeback against Utah, incredible. At number four, Diljeet Taylor, hired in 2016 as an assistant coach for the women's cross-country team. Coach Taylor took over the women as head coach in 2021. That year, women's cross-country team never finished lower than third in any of their six competitions, won three of them, including the West Coast Conference Championships. They would go on to finish second at the NCAA Championships, where senior Whitney Orton became the first ever woman individual national champion from BYU. Pretty cool. That was last fall. Feels like a long time ago. No, no, no. That's a couple months ago. Number three, Mark Pope, men's hoops, 2019-20. Cougars didn't make a postseason tournament the year before. Pope takes over from UVU, gets Yoli Childs to come back, Jake Toulson to come back. BYU goes 24-8, beat number two Gonzaga at home, finished in the AP Top 25 before COVID hit, projected sixth seed in the NCAA tournament. It was a special season, which honestly, we're trying to get back to that kind of year. That's like a golden, amazing year that BYU can use as an example of what is possible. At number two, Courtney Leishman. Became the head coach of BYU women's basketball in 1977, and he led the team to a 22-6 record, 13-0 in conference, both program records at the time. Again, this is his first year. Cougars went on to win their regional tournament, beating Utah 60-58 in the final game, then finished 1-1 in the AIAW National Tournament, finishing third in their region. Again, this was before the women had a true March Madness bracket. Yeah, it wasn't all organized like it was now. Don't, Unbelievable season. Don't ever tell us we don't research, okay? 77, Courtney Leishman, number two. Let's go. And number one, we're squeezing these together. Heather and Sean Olmstead. The Olmstead siblings took over their respective teams in the summer of 2015. Heather led the Cougars women's volleyball team to a 29-5 record WCC title, Sweet 16. Sean's men's volleyball team with 27-4 won the MPSF and went to the NCAA title game. Tremendous stuff, and they're still going. Oh, Incredible, incredible run. A great year. Did we beat the system by doing both of the Olmsteads? Probably. We did, but we declare how the system works on our show. Our question of the day. What is your optimal kick time for BYU football home games? Sundays at 4. <laughs> our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. This is good. From at Kugmac. This is good. Who responds with just simply a picture of Zach Wilson with <laughs> a headband. Any team... <laughs> Any time, any place. How do you feel about the headband in the aftermath of Coastal Carolina? Because I'm kind of like, oh. I loved it at the time. It was fun because it was like anti-Washington rhetoric because they didn't want to play that game. But then midweek, Coastal. I'm okay because it, it doesn't – like it says we will play. We will play any team, any time, any place. And BYU was willing to do that with Coastal Carolina. So I feel they like literally they, li- they lived it. up to the headband. I would just would have preferred to win in that game. For sure. Yeah. For sure. It made it feel better, but like – the concept was played out. Yes, it was. Yeah. And BYU didn't l- really lose respect for losing that game. No. Yeah. <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Joining us now is a man who just threw for 487 yards, six touchdowns, ran for another. That based on his nose injury, right? Blaine Fowler is with us on BYU Play, Sports Playing Nation. hurt today. Hey, man. Respect to you for going out, balling out, man, and then hanging out with us after you got Those beat up a little graders bit. graders could not hang with you. <laughs> you got, hey, you got to play hurt. That's the thing. Like the, We always say 
hey, you can play hurt. You just can't play injured. And I'm not injured. I'm just hurt. Okay. So that's it. So, now, so in all here. seriousness, what, what happened? are you okay? Is your nose okay? Yeah. And I, and I, if, if I had any concussion, I put myself in concussion protocol. Um, and, and, but I, I cleared myself yesterday, so I'm good to go. <laughs> <laughs> one time, one time, who, who was it? Uh, there was a receiver in the NFL, Heinz Ward. He knew he had a yeah. concussion and he grabbed his ankle so that they wouldn't look at his head in oh the middle of the gosh. game. Yeah. That, that kind of stuff hey, Steve, uh, Steve Young, wouldn't fly today. But uh, yeah. No, Steve Young put himself back in. The, Steve Young cleared himself from concussion protocol <laughs> when we were playing Ohio State in 82. I'm in the game. He, he literally took the hardest hit I've ever seen anybody take from, from Merrick and Cobb. They're two All-American backers. They had to take his ear pad out to get his helmet off because his nose was sticking out the ear hole. Oh, and no. I was like, this guy's out. He's out. Not Maybe forever he might be out. So I might be the guy now. I'm in for like a couple of plays, and he comes trotting back out. He's like, I'm in, I'm in, you're out. And I, I walked over the sideline, and, and Holmgren says, what are you doing? And I go, well, Steve's in. He goes, the heck he is. He's not in. And I go, well, he's right out there. And then the, and he's like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> so Steve cleared him. Steve cleared himself from concussion protocol and came back in a game where we were just getting murdered. It was terrible. Blaine, you're just constantly going in and then coming back out for Steve and, and Robbie. Did you, were you ever like, nah, I'm good. I'm, I'm going to stay in here. Honestly, one time Robbie comes over the sideline, we're playing Utah State up in Logan, and it is sideways snowing. And and Robbie goes, I'm, dude, my shoulder is not. And I go, Don't, do not pull this crap on me right here. <laughs> I said, you, this, this is a snow thing, isn't it? Like, you want to do this. You say, oh, my shoulder's not feeling good in San Diego. Don't do this to me in Logan in a blizzard. <laughs> he's like, oh, no, dude, I'm, I'm serious. It really doesn't feel good today. And so I played the rest of the game. Now, the good news was it was so slippery, they couldn't cover anybody. I just kept throwing, like, three-yard balls to Vice Sikahema and Lockheed and Bully out of the backfield. I would just, like, push it with one hand over to them. They'd catch the ball, and then they'd run 17 yards, 20 yards, and we threw for a bunch of yards on them um, in the snow. So it wasn't as bad as it seemed. But I actually did question Robbie. I was like, come on, dude. Like, this day? <laughs> Classic playing this so yeah That's i did question funny. it once jerem that was the only time <laughs> <laughs> blaine fowler is with us on byu sports nation fantastic stories about steve young and robbie bosco blaine we were real just... quick 12 of 20 170 yards yeah 12 of 20 170 nicely done blaine in a sideways snowy <laughs> blizzard just for the record by like you said deserves a lot of credit there okay we've been talking yes. about yes the... The easiest to toughest path for BYU, ranking all 12 opponents that way. Obviously, Utah Tech being the lone FCS team on BYU's schedule, we have it number 12. But then when you get towards the top, things can get very interesting. Jeremy and I differ on teams two through four. So, I mean, let's just start with you. Like, who are your top five toughest games that BYU will face in 2022? You want, you want me to start with five or you want me to start with one? You start with five. Let's build up to, uh, yeah, you know, drama. number one. I I have Boise State as my five. You agree with us. And, we have Boise yep, at number five. Yeah, yep. I, and, and, and the reason is because it's on the road. Um, they, they know that that series isn't continuing now. It's been a great rivalry. And by the way, huge respect to Boise State for the great partner they've been for BYU. They've been, they were the best partner BYU had during Independence, without question. So huge respect for them. And and with with Bachmeyer coming back and Halal, 
really young offensive line last year. Those guys were all back. I just, I just feel like there's a lot riding on that game. That's a tough game on the road. So I have them five. I've got them over Stanford and over Utah State. Yep. Yeah. South Florida, all yeah. those. I've got them five. All right. Number um, four, Blaine. Four, I've got Arkansas. So I don't agree with Jerem. You agree with me. SEC. And, and, and the reason is because it's Arkansas. I realize they're SEC. They've got SEC athletes. Speed's always been an issue, but I don't feel like that's an issue for BYU anymore. Um, and so I think Matt, they'll match up. I feel like them coming to elevation and playing on the road yes. is, is tougher than people think. And, and that's why um, I have them at four and not three or two. Okay. You and I agree. Number five and four. Okay. Who's number three for you? Three for me is Baylor. I think we might have an identical top five, Blaine. Yeah, you guys do. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Three for me is Baylor. Um, they lose a lot. Otherwise, I might have had them too. Yeah. But they, they lose a lot of, on the uh, offensive line. They lose their entire secondary. Um, you know, their quarterback's back, sort of, because Bo- <laughs> the, the quarterback you played against is going to be in South Florida. But but the guy that played the the back end of the season is back. I just they're just so physical, and I think a little local knowledge with Grimes of how to manage being on the road here in Provo and all that um, makes a difference. So I got I've got Baylor at three, and then I'm like you, Spencer. I've got Oregon at Oregon too. Um, first of all, it's a it's a really difficult place to play. Oxen's a phenomenal stadium. I know, Jeremy, you've been there, haven't you? Yeah, it's tremendous. Um, yeah, it's and and and, I, and they got a lot coming back. And then I think so the new head coach, if he can bring the the discipline and physicality from Georgia, yeah, then then that that Georgia football team last year, I'm not kidding you guys, that's the best tackling football team I have ever seen in college football. Period. Mm. Ever. That's that's how. And so I'm just like, okay, if he can bring a semblance of that um, to what Oregon has coming back, and you know, I look at they're all over the board on the preseason polls because they are, but they're anywhere from number nine up to number 25. So people don't know like what, quite what to make of them. I think on the road at their place with what they've got coming back, they're number two to me. And then and number one, we all agree yeah. is Notre Dame because they're just loaded and they're, they're in almost everyone's preseason top, top 10. Um, it's a neutral game, which I never say in Vegas for BYU. BYU is always the home team in Vegas, but not this time guys. Yeah, Notre Dame's going to be the home nope. team. It's the only team more people there. Yeah. in the country that, including UNLV, that can have a home field advantage against BYU in Vegas, and that's Notre Dame. And so, so it'll be a great, great environment, sold out to the rafters. But I think that's the best team BYU plays this year, Notre Dame, without question. I love this list because it's absolutely wrong from all of us. <laughs> because when you go back, when you go back to last year, we would not have said at Baylor was the toughest game on the schedule. And then you could argue Boise State was the second toughest because BYU loses, right? You could say, well, it was, there, it was Utah and they overcame it and they won. But, like, we would not have said at Baylor. So who knows what that means? Does it mean that's actually Baylor again? Does it mean it's Arkansas? Is it clearly Notre Dame? I, I love this because when you play it out, it, it's always pretty different from what you actually thought was going to happen. Who, who's the sneaky one? Is at Stanford a sleeper that we're not – valuing enough that's the thing i I wonder if if they're battling for bowl eligibility let's say they're five and six and i mean they're going to be ultra motivated like got to win six games got to turn this thing around got to get back after a a really tough season so that has me concerned a little bit what about utah state they won 11 games they're like why aren't we higher we won 11 games why why not arkansas 
Why not Arkansas being the toughest game? With a chip on their shoulders? Yeah. I, you know, it's the one that I keep wondering about is, is Stanford. Are they going to be better than we think? Although I do think – I'm predicting a BYU takeover of that stadium. Oh, that's um, – 100% will happen. No doubt. Yeah, because they just they – just, when they had – You know. when and, and you guys know, I'm a fan of Stanford because my son-in-law Dallas played there. Yeah. And they were in the top five when he played there. They were winning – you know, they were spanking Iowa in the Rose Bowl when he played there with, with Dallas as the defensive captain and Christian McCaffrey as the offensive captain. And we'd go over for games and the place was still like – Half full. It's Crazy. the library, so, Blaine. Because yeah, it's so yeah. quiet, and, bro. And the kids, there were more people at the tailgate without question. Because I think what happens is the students come to the tailgate and then they go back to the library. <laughs> they have homework. <laughs> and, and so so I, I think BYU is going to take that state. But Stanford's the one that I'm – because they have athletes. And it, it'll, it'll be interesting. That might be the one that we're underrating. Mm. And then the other one that worries me, I have them number eight on my in, in my top 12 in, – in, in my twelve is South Florida at mm. South Florida. I think BYU is 100% healthy going into that, and it makes a difference. And BYU is going to be way ahead of most teams because of all the experience. But but I've been talking to the, the coaches as they're doing film, and they keep going, whoa, South Florida has athletes at every position on the field. They are way better than people think they are. And I have them at number eight because okay. I have them behind Stanford and Utah State along with the top five. But – maybe South Florida is better than we think we are. I mean, they're not going to, they're not better than the first three or four we picked, but maybe they should be, you know, five instead of eight, like I have them. So, so Stanford and South Florida, I don't know quite what to make of right at this point. Great stuff, Blaine. Let's give you some BYU sports nation karma to heal up, take care of that nose. And then uh, you can go back and dominate the neighborhood kids with your arm once again. <laughs> Did you guys notice my custom bandage? Did you notice that? It's, it's it hard to miss, Blaine. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. It's well played. I, I just want. I just represent Cougs no matter where I go, even on my nose. I love it, Blaine. Great to talk they, to you, man. They say play with your team on, on your on your sleeve. I play with them on my on nose. your nose. So <laughs> see see you guys. All right, brother. Blaine Fowler, our dual threat analyst, We're talking all football today. When he said South Florida, he was not talking about the Bulls. He was talking geographically, generally about the southern part of Florida. That's what was interesting to me. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. The Lynn Toners. The Lynn Toners. <laughs> that sounds like a barbershop group, doesn't it? <laughs> Ice cream. Ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> 100 days away from kickoff, which gives you plenty of time for ice cream over the summer. Thanks for jumping in on that. A I long really vacation. Yeah. But still, there is excitement around the number 100, especially considering what BYU football has done in each of the last two seasons. 11 wins in 2020, 10 wins in 2021, including 6-1 and one against the Power 5. Jaron, we feel like we know a lot of things about this team, so let me ask you, what are you most confident in and what's your biggest question mark about the BYU football team 100 days away from the game against USF? I am very confident in the BYU offense because I believe in Aaron Roderick a lot. I believe in Jaron Hall. I believe in the, this offensive line and the receiver, these receivers. I'm excited about Christopher Brooks. I'm excited about Lopini Cato and Jackson McChesney and these guys. The offense is going to be awesome. I'm, I'm excited about the improvement that the defense is going to show as well, that, that a healthy BYU can be really good. Can an unhealthy BYU be good as well is a question we've got to figure out. So, yeah, question mark is 
can an unhealthy BYU at certain positions be okay? Depth. Can the defensive line get a pass rush without a blitz sometimes? Um, that's a question I have. But I, I'm, I'm very excited about this season. I think we've talked about it. I, I've raised my sort of, man, just, yeah, seven and five, eight and four. It's nine and three regular season with this group. This group's built the last two years for, for a year like this. It's the last hurrah on independence. BYU's going to be ready for the Big 12 from a competitive athletic financial facility recruiting standpoint. We'll worry about 2023 with sort of the exodus of a bunch of good players. Can you fill those in with good recruitment and development? I've loved the way that Peyton Wilgar has gone from walk-on to star, Tyler Algier from walk-on to fifth-round pick, um, which is awesome. So let's see three-star Zach Wilson uh, to number two pick. This has been fun to watch. I'm very excited. Only 100 days away, baby. Okay, I'm going to add to your list of what I'm most confident in, the BYU coaches, led by Kalani Satake. It's amazing they've kept that staff. I am confident in the staff. They've been around for a long time. You brought up Aaron Roderick. He's been an offensive genius. He worked so well with Zach Wilson, and then you had to wonder, okay, well, what's he going to do with Jaron Hall? I think a lot of those questions were answered last year, were they not? So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm confident in the BYU offense. I'm confident in the BYU coaching staff, which did anything change at all other than adding additional staff and support members this offseason? No assistant coaches left. No changes. Which is rare. Which is rare. For as successful as BYU has been, the fact that they can keep Aaron Roderick is notable. The biggest question mark I have is on the defensive side of the ball, and it's more about what BYU is going to do schematically to try and create more disruptive plays. Everyone just says simply, got to get more pressure on the quarterback. Got to get more pressure on the quarterback. Is it about that, or have we learned that Elisa Tuiaki and that defensive staff are good at creating disruption in other ways? How are they going to do that? Like, of course you want to get to the quarterback more, but that is not the end-all, be-all, especially for BYU football. I just want havoc, and that comes in different forms. Correct. That is sacks and tackles for loss, but it's also forced fumbles. Interceptions. Fumbles and interceptions. BYU's been pretty good the last Hit couple of years. passes at the line. Right. I, I just want the defensive line to, like, is it too much to ask the defensive line to be close to what Utah had under Kalani Stock? I don't feel like BYU's been that quite yet. Like, who is that, like... Can BYU have a, a very good to elite pass rusher? We're, we're hoping it's like a Tyler Batty, right? And, and he's been young. He had the pressure on him last year of kind of becoming the guy. He's got the lip balm and IL deal now. So what does that mean? Yeah, a, a little more pressure without having to blitz would be nice because then you can have seven in coverage and feel confident on a second and uh, six that you can create a third and long, and now you can really go uh, pin your ears back, as they say, and go after the quarterback. Even looking back at 2020 when BYU did have an elite-level defensive lineman in Kyrus Tonga, they just implemented some different tactics. And Kyrus didn't come up with a huge sack number. He was a huge block eater. Right. And, and that's, they, it's hard for me to, I guess, compare to that year just because of the schedule. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's not even remotely close to no, what BYU I mean, ever played. You know, the best teams that BYU played in 2020 were Coastal Carolina, Houston, UCF, um, and that's kind of the top, the top of the top, list, right? But, yeah, and the, those Boise are, State. Those are like Coastal finished ranked. Like that was a great game. Like, but other other than that, um, they, on an average year, those would be the fourth, fifth, and sixth best games. I believe right. in the coaches. That's where my confidence begins and ends, and what they're able to do with the rosters that they have right now. I actually forgot what I'm most confident in. I forgot Ryan Rico. Oh that Ryan goodness. Rico will just punt the crap out of the ball hey, all year. Are you still standing by the fact that Ryan Rico was the best player on the BYU team last year, or have you come back around to Tyler Algier? It's obvious. <laughs> um, the best player at his position 
is is Rico, but Blake Freeland is challenging. For Ooh, that's my new you still, take. You, that's your. That's my new you take. St- you're still taking that hot then, take out there, Ryan. I believe in Ryan Rico. Like I, if Ryan Rico ran for Mayor Provo, that's my vote. Ryan Rico is better in his position on this team than Blake Freeland on the offensive line. Yes, and Jaron Hall at quarterback. Here's Ryan's problem: he wow. doesn't punt enough, so he doesn't qualify. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd be like, dude, he was third in the country. That is like spicy. He is. Punters are people, too. That is a spicy take. Hey, they can vote and stuff now, which is cool. Punters can. Topic two. Big Game Boomer, a.k.a. BGB, has Ben Bywater. Mm -hmm. um, Anciently, you wanted to be Bywater. Ben Ben Bywater. I like that last name. As the 29th best linebacker in his latest top 50 linebackers list. Spencer. He had a breakout freshman year. Of course. Fantastic. No doubt. But is he BYU's best linebacker? Man, big game boomers think so clearly because there's no Peyton Wilgar and there's no Keenan Peely and no Max Tooley. Like, big game boomer. Should we call it uh, big game Ben? BGB stand for big game Ben Bywater? Big game Ben Bagley Bywater? <laughs> what? Listen, I believe in Ben Bywater. And you look at the pictures and the work that he has put in. Like, he clearly, yeah, he's the yoked guy, right? He's the anti Oh, man. Hey, he's, he's the all-picture guy. The first day of fall camp, there will undoubtedly be multiple tweets from media members saying, like, Ben Bywater looks the part. Dude, he's jacked. He looks Power the part. five biceps. They, that's going to happen the first day of fall camp. With He will be the all-picture team first day of first fall First team all-pictures, yes. I love it. <laughs> like like Hinkley Ropati two yes. years ago was like first team all-pictures. Oh, he just looks the part. He's just next-level athlete. Because if you're super strong, you are very good at your position. What? Here's the thing that Ben Bywater has working in his favor. Mm-hmm. He was thrust into yep. a prominent role last year yep. and, frankly, was not perfect. He was really good, but he had a steep learning curve. There were some hard learning moments for Ben Bywater in his freshman yeah. season. Yeah. That will all make him better. So I understand. And you look at the numbers. Numbers were really solid. Like his athleticism, his strength helps him just make plays, even when sometimes he was out of position. Like he'd make up he for lear- with his athleticism. He learned a lot. Yes. Yep. While that has happened, and he clearly is going to take a significant second-year jump, Peyton Wilgar is still the best linebacker on this BYU football team, hands down. Amen. Keenan Peedley is right there as well. But Peyton, let's talk about numbers over his career. 168 tackles, 16 and a half tackles for loss, five picks, two forced fumbles, five passes defended. He's BYU's top uh, linebacker NFL prospect, I believe. You want havoc, Jerem? It starts with yes. Peyton Wilgar. He has got to like at at the. He's got to run a good forty to ensure being drafted. Probably is something that I've been told. Uh, from someone who who knows what they're talking about with this, but um, I I like this group, right? Max Tooley makes plays. Ben Bywater, Keenan Peely is a a stud middle linebacker. He had 17 tackles against Arizona. He was going to lead yeah. the team in tackles before he was injured halfway yes. through the third game of the season. Yes, this is a nice group, right? This is a nice group. So it's Ben the best linebacker team. No, but he's he's a really really good player that's going to have a really good career at BYU. Ke- yeah, Keenan Peely. Yeah. My, at the end of the season, we might be saying, "Man, it was Keenan Peely who was." The Maybe best it is Ben at the end of the year. Maybe like it's Ben. Yeah, I, and I'm confident in that group. Let's go, baby. Yeah, that's, that's this is a good problem to have and an interesting conversation when you have that many loaded linebackers in that group. We're reaching late May, and that means it's time to break down the schedule in each and every way we can possibly think of for BYU football. We are nearing 100 days away, and after looking at the SP Plus projections and a ton of post-spring top 25 polls, we, as in Jerem and Spencer, have decided to rank the 2022 schedule starting with the easiest game 
all the way down to the toughest. We will go in order with Jerem giving his team first. Then I will give mine at the number 12 spot. We will discuss these games and our ranking for each and every one of the BYU opponents. If one of us has a team ranked higher or in a different position, we will discuss that team when it is brought up in its higher ranking. You got that? Simple enough. Our easiest to toughest game rankings for the 2022 BYU football schedule go now. Jerem, lead us off at number 12. It feels like I feel pressure. Uh, (laughs) Utah Tech, we both agree. Yes. FCS, next. No surprise. Second easiest game. I say South Florida based on the criteria we discussed yesterday. 3-18, and you know, last year. Well, you, you have them a little higher. So we'll discuss I'll it. I'll discuss actually. USF yeah. in just a moment. What do you have? East Carolina, East Carolina in Provo at number 11. Okay. I like East Carolina there because of the home game for mm-hmm. BYU. Sure. Yeah, that's easy. At number 10. But, but I say South Florida at number 10 because I think South Florida is worse than East Carolina. Um, so, I, yeah. And, and I know it's Florida. I know it. But first game, beer's not beat up. Like, we talked about it. Okay, reasons why this is number 11 for me. They're three and eighteen the last two years. Mm-hmm. Will they get better? I don't know. They could be the same. Um, they they are figuring out who the quarterback is. Granted, Jerry Bohannon came from Baylor. Mm-hmm. Jaron Hall is healthy and knows he's the guy going into this game. This isn't suddenly he's the guy after the Toledo game. Okay, you haven't played four power fives in a row. Then Toledo, you're not all beat up. Bureau's ready to go. Bureau's experienced. Aaron Roderick's the OC. Like, all these things are reasons why BYU, that, to me, that's the easiest. But there's only one spot difference there, 10 11 Okay, yeah. So to me, as simple as this sounds, yep. BYU traveling two time zones, playing in Florida against the USF team that returns 85% of a production of the of team that went 2 team. True. 85% True. of the crappy players are back. This is great news. But BYU has to travel <laughs> the two time zones and play against a USF team that I feel like will be better with Jerry Bohannon at quarterback. They will get four whole wins. <laughs> Two wins last year, four this year. That's enough for me to put USF at number That's 10. Enough, semantics, it's, it's almost the same, but it's Let's semantics get to the interesting at this point. Ones. Okay? Who cares about we spent a minute too long on this. Okay, number nine for you, Jerome. <laughs> number nine for me is Wyoming. Um, Wyoming, now, this is interesting because I don't think necessarily this is like an absolute gimme. I, BYU can't turn it over three times like it did against Boise State and expect to – dominate and win you know like yes um wyoming wyoming is a team that BYU should beat at home certainly but uh they have quarterback issues their quarterback transferred out they sent out this weird tweet last year um <laughs> saying hey we need a quarterback it's like what don't you do that privately andrew peasley is the guy came up from utah state he was five of seven against Cruz. i say wyoming at nine. i go at liberty mm-hmm. number nine and wyoming just above them at number eight Again, we're so close, yeah. but there are some yeah. differences here. No Malik Willis, which is great news. The only reason I go with Wyoming is a little bit tougher than Liberty is because it's a rivalry game. And it'll for, be em- for them. It'll be emotional for Wyoming. Not that, for BYU. that might kind of provoke them to play a little bit harder. Although those players scrappy. don't know or care about any kind of rivalry with BYU. Well, Wyoming. You know what I mean? Like like the administration will be like, This is a big deal. Yeah. And yep. BYU will be like, This is another game. Oh, by the way, we used to be in the same league as these guys. Because luckily, there's no no one's going to be naked in a in a barrel in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. <laughs> they probably would be in Laramie. Been to a couple games up there. Those are some of the worst days of my life. That place sucks. Jeez. Wyoming in Provo, number eight for me. Yeah. So we're flip flopping on Liberty. At Liberty. Wyoming. Yep. Long road trip. I feel you. No Malik Willis is great news. On on we go. Okay, number seven, Jerem. Utah State. Yep, I'm exactly the same as yeah. you. I, listen, Utah State won 11 games last year. Blake Anderson uh, had a tremendous first year. 
It's a home game. Oh, by the way, you just played Baylor and then Oregon. So you're coming off of two uh, tough games. That's why this is kind of higher on the list. Um, it this could, one will be emotional. It, it, absolutely. It could. And, and will Utah State be just ticked that BYU, BYU has took taken them, off the, them off the schedule? And, oh, by the way, that was the second best win last year for BYU against Utah State. Shocking, right? Because they finished ranked. They finished ranked. Utah State will overachieve once again, even though they lost a ton of production. They returned 49% of the production from last year's all-time team in Logan. Logan Bonner was tremendous at quarterback. But Blake Anderson will get the most out of his team, even though they're number 92 in the SP+. They will overachieve. The last wagon wheel. Nice graphic. Number seven. Yeah, and it's an emotional game. Who knows when BYU and Utah State will play again after this year. The earliest it could be, yeah. we think, is like 2027. Will BYU play in Logan ever again? Probably not. And like, if they don't do, have it's to. probably like a two-for-one way down the line. Don't have to. Utah State's worst nightmare is that BYU doesn't need Utah State anymore. Okay, you we're through I mean? the top half of the and schedule. And they run out of cows. Okay, we have given you our easiest games and then have been working up toward the top, the toughest. We are through six games. Now into the top six, Jerem. This is where it gets fun. Okay. You and I agree again at number six at, at Stanford. At Stanford, the Tanner McKee game, similar to USC last year. You finished with a power five. That's tough just in and of itself. Unless you play Arizona, then it's pretty easy. Um, both teams will be banged up, okay? So this will be interesting. Stanford is not the same Stanford that it's been, right? Clearly not. We not just like, took their fullback, too. <laughs> yes. Hey, and Houston. Christian McCaffrey and uh, company are not walking through that door. That's the good news. So, Tough game. BYU's got to show up and play this game and win, but it's definitely number six. Yeah, what type of team is Stanford the final game of the year? Are they motivated at all? Like, did they have a good season? Like, Are they 4-8? and eight They stunk four? last year. They did beat Oregon. But, like, their transitive properties, they were better than Ohio State and Utah by those sta- transitive properties. Sure. But the, that doesn't actually work in real life. The only thing that worries me here is if BYU faces a Stanford team that – is battling for bowl eligibility. Maybe they're five and six. Only and like, motivation. We got to get into a bowl. We got to beat yes. BYU at home BYU, to get into a bowl game. Yes, I, I can see that. But it's going to be fun for BYU fans to just show up, and hopefully BYU's playing for like a ten-win season or something. In the same way that BYU fans showed up at USC in a massive way, excited about absolutely. Stuff. And and one of the nicknames of uh, Stanford Stadium is the library because it's so quiet. Their fans don't show up. I've been to a game there. It is ridiculous how bad they support that team. If I was Houston Haymouli, I'm surprised he stayed four years. <laughs> like, Stanford's an amazing academic institution. Football program in, in disarray. I know. Like, on the surface, it feels strange to not put Stanford in the top five. But right now, is Toby Gearhart playing running back? The state back? of that program. Is Andrew Luck there? Would suggest that Stanford belongs outside of the top five. Again, yes, road game. Yes, is Bryce Love playing running back? Power five. No. It, that's good enough to get them at number six. But number five, Jerem. Group of five representation. You and I agree once again. Boise State in at number five. Seven and five last year, but it's Boise freaking State. Hank Bachmeyer is going to play his ninth season. Bachmeyer is the greatest quarterback in the history of football, apparently. Uh, He was the difference last year, Jerry. can't beat him. Hank made made BYU fumble twice. Oh, my gosh. He's the greatest defensive player in Boise State history as well. Okay, BYU's one and five up there. The one win was with Zacharias F. Wilson. Tyler F. Algier, like, let, BYU can go up there and win this game, but it is always a tough game, regardless of how, like, Taysom Hill didn't win up there. It's tough to win up there. No question. Winning on the blue is always difficult. I thought about, man, should Boise State be higher? But then you look at yeah, no, the four other no, Power they, 5 no, teams. Shouldn't. You look at the four other Power 5 teams BYU still has that we have not discussed. Like, ah, no, they're good at number five. I wonder if Boise State's going to be ticked about the Big 12 situation. 
because they wanted to be in the Big 12. I would love for Boise State to be to in the Big 12. Can you mean that coaching staff and that yeah. team? Like, oh, BYU going to the Big 12, big dogs here. We've got a winning record against you overall, and we're going to take you to task on the blue turf once again. And you're like, the they Power 5 team? They would be ultra motivated. We're the Power 5. Yeah. I, I love this game, and I'm going to miss this game. Okay. Honestly. I don't want it in the, the Big 12 scenario anymore, but I've loved it Super in Independence. Loved it. Great series. Yeah. Okay, into the top four, and you and I differ yep. on three of the top four. Okay, okay. and it's two, three, four. At number four, who do you have? Baylor. I have Baylor, yeah. The Big returning Sugar Big Bowl champs. Big champs. champs. Sugar Bowl champs. Is it even harder? What is Sugar Bowl? You done it. Losing the starting quarterback, running back, top two receivers, top two safeties. They lose a ton, okay? Oh, by the way, it's, this is the 83-84 thing for BYU. BYU lost in 83, 84 got revenge at home. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to happen from last year's game to this year's game. The Big 12 element's interesting. Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos back in town. This is going to be a tough game, but I feel very confident about the home opener that BYU shows up in a big way against Will Baylor. BYU and Baylor be a ranked matchup? Will yes. Baylor be ranked in the preseason? They have to, right? Yeah. Because they're number five in the final AP poll. Yes, absolutely. They'll be ranked. Even though they lose, but the, the confidence that that program has shown up. Listen, like... Yes, BYU uh, and Baylor is going to be a huge game, and it's one of the biggest games of the year. I could see you saying this as high as two, as low as four. I'm buying Baylor's stock to be a little bit higher than number four, which is why I'm going with Arkansas at number four. I'm not sure what Arkansas really is. They came on strong late last season, and they play in the SEC, and I know that speaks volumes, right? Like if you're a top or an upper tier, an upper half team in the SEC – that generally says Third a lot, right? In the SEC West, nine and four. Okay, that's nine really good. nine yeah. win Arkansas team yeah. from a year ago. They are middle of the pack in terms of returning production. I know they lost some big boys up front. I wonder how well they'll be able to protect the quarterback. They're playing in Provo, so that's why I have them just a slot lower than you do. I have Arkansas at number four. It's a weird thing for an SEC team to come to Provo. This is tough. Like Baylor's done it before. They know the deal. Arkansas has never been in Provo before. Second SEC team ever in Provo. Only Mississippi, Mississippi State. played twice here. That's Correct. it. So, they, again, they, they lost some big boys up front. How well can they protect the quarterback midway point of the season? Will BYU be angry if they occur coming off a loss against Notre Dame just before this? Or are they riding the high? Or are they riding the high and then they fall into then a little bit of a trap? Yeah. Arkansas is really interesting to me for all the reasons you mentioned. K.J. Jefferson was number five on that quarterback list, 24-7 sports, by the way. So he was a sophomore last year, 27 touchdowns. He's a run threat as well. They were ranked size eighth. Like, Arkansas was, was good, man. They returned the two starting running backs and Jefferson as a runner, okay? They pick off a ton of passes, 13 interceptions to only 16 touchdowns allowed. Like, good defense, but a lot of it is back. 26 in SP plus projection. Arkansas is going to be really good. I have them at two. I have them at – and a lot of that is SEC prestige, but all the answers I just gave you as well. Like, what if I told you Arkansas last year was better than A&M, LSU, Mississippi? You know what I mean? Well, LSU's coach got fired. That was historically bad after they won the national championship. In a a given year, if you're better than LSU, you had a good year, even if LSU is bad. Like, they're LSU. You know what I mean? (laughs) But, like, that's going to be a tough game. And, oh, by the way – um, yeah, they're, they're coming west, and let's go. SEC and all deal. Got Arkansas number two. Wow, you're buying the Razorbacks. SEC! SEC! <laughs> okay, I've got him at four. Yeah, I think that coming to Pro is going to be a tough task. And clearly, I am valuing BYU's home field advantage a lot in this. I feel like home right. field advantage this is matters not, a lot. This is not the BYU team that was young and lost to Northern Illinois. 
in 2018 when Zach Wilson was a freshman. This is a very different group, right? You come to Provo, it's hard to win here. Okay. So, Jeremy, who do you have at number three, then? You just revealed number two and four. Who's number three? I have Oregon. At I, Oregon. I have the Ducks. At Oregon. This is, this is a tough road game. This is week three coming off Baylor. Maybe you win. Maybe it's high. Maybe you lose, and you're, you're frustrated. Ten and, like, we've been like, Oregon's not, wasn't even that good last year. Ten and four still. Seven and oh at home. Didn't lose a home game. Dan Lanning, new head coach, the D.C. from that Georgia defense. That was Bo Nix is the truth. the greatest defense ever. Um, I've been to a game at Oregon. Like It's a good atmosphere. It's a fun one. I think Cougar fans will love that road trip. Tough place to play. The last time BYU played at Oregon, Ty Detmer was the quarterback in 1990, and My BYU par- lost. I lived in Portland. My parents didn't take me to that game. Ty Detmer's Heisman Trophy winning year was the last time BYU played at Autzen, and they lost to Bill Musgrave and the Oregon Ducks. Okay. Listen, three years Tough later. Tough place they, to play. Three years later, they went to the Rose. Got him at number three. Okay, so you have a number three. I have at Oregon at number two, and that's because of the road. Like, because I feel road. Like, I feel like the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 narrative. Like, Is it even hard to be the Pac- Pac-12? Like, I feel like that's going to play into it. You, it <laughs> okay, motivation. Like, oh, every Pac-12 fan will be rooting so hard for Oregon to beat up on BYU. Like, so significantly. Oh, yeah. No, they're... they're After hoping. everything that was said last year. Yeah. Uh, well, our video, you know, in April. <laughs> There's some serious pressure. Yeah. And then, no surprise, you and I agree, yeah. at number one, yes. the Notre Dame Fighting Irish in the Shamrock Series at yep. the home of the Las Vegas Raiders, yep. Allegiant Stadium. The home of the, You mean the home of the BYU Cougars? October 8th Cougars. in Vegas. No question. Yeah. Notre Dame no question. brings back eight to their seventh in the SP Plus projection. Now, I, I interviewed Rudy, like the Rudy, before the Arizona game last year. And I said, are you coming to the BYU-Notre Dame game here next year? And he goes, yeah, I'll be here. And I said, who are you rooting for? And he's like, eh, probably the boys in gold. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, it's Notre Dame. It's game five. BYU will have played its two biggest games prior to that, right? Baylor at Oregon in weeks two and three. You, you have uh, Utah State and Wyoming um, in the next two weeks. I can't remember if that's slipped or not. But – so hopefully BYU is, has dominated one of those, and now you go for the biggest game of the year, the biggest splash you can possibly make, and it's actually Texas A&M Alabama game day, which kind of stinks. But if BYU is somehow undefeated going to that game, and so is watch out, Woo, top ten matchup, let's go. All right, I've got a significant advantage for BYU at home. Jerem has dived into the analytics. I of believe those teams in the and what SEC. They bring back he he likes I Arkansas. I believe in the SEC. I like you and Ben Rector love Arkansas. He loves. Is he from there? He went graduated from Arkansas. Oh, did he? That's cool. <laughs> cool. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches. Athletes and experts have to say, here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now is the BYU Director of Golf, Coach Todd Miller, in Arizona as his team gets ready for the NCAA Championships. Todd, congratulations on making it to the big show. We're so excited to be here. It's like coming home, be able to be here in Arizona, um, right next to Utah, similar you know, the ball goes a similar distance and elevation. So these guys are pumped. Yeah, an incredible run and performance in the regionals. I'd also like to congratulate you on having next-level swag because whenever you or Coach Brockbank walk into Studio B, and again, not all coaches do this right, you create, your, your mind has created some elite-level golf swag. So you should be congratulated for that. We work hard on it. We want to see you wearing a little more of those polos, polos Spencer. You okay. asked me last time 
on the show how many I had. What's your count now? <laughs> hey, you- Let's see. Uh, if we're just talking strictly BYU polos. Man, probably like 50, but BYU golf polos, I'm only at like three or four, so. And, and I'm at zero, Todd, just so, we're, uh, <laughs> just so we're out here. Better come visit my closet, man. Heck yeah, dude, I'll be there. <laughs> Pluto's closet, Plato's closet, and Todd Miller's Let's closet. Let's go. Right, Pluto. Todd, your team has, by the rankings, in many ways already overachieved by qualifying for this final round of the NCAA championships. With how well they're playing right now, what's the peak for this team in 2022? You know, kind of answer that in kind of a little bit of longer um, dialogue. I mean, we started off the year and we finished first in our first event in New Mexico by 19 shots. We won that tournament and then just, we just fell and we dropped and we dropped and we just got worse in the rankings. And by the end of the fall, we kind of hit rock bottom. And, you know, Bruce said to me, I remember at the end of the fall, he goes, I'm not ready to give up on this team. We're going to work hard. If we're going to play bad golf, we're going to be the hardest working team in the country. And he made some great changes. He brought in Daniel, who's been just such a delight to have on the team. He's helped these guys work smarter. He's been very scientific about what he's done with them. And then we've just started to gain every week. We've, we've, uh, we just gained a little more momentum every week. And it seems like, you know, these guys are playing their best golf at the right time. Which is awesome because – not everything turns out like you want it to be, and you have to fight through a certain adversity, some self-imposed, some not, right? But I think about the coaching staff with you and Bruce and now Daniel Summerhays, as you mentioned. That's an incredible amount of experience and swag, as you mentioned, Spencer. So now you head into this NCAA championships, and certainly BYU not playing on Sunday is a big storyline. It always makes national headlines. You guys are going to compete in your Sunday third round today. What's the mentality and approach in a unique setting where you've, you've got to show up today, which is not going to count until the third round. Yeah, I mean, I think the first time we we were able to play, you know, our Sunday round on a Thursday was in Oklahoma. And you know what? It was a very weird thing for us. We felt rushed. You know, you're playing all by yourself, which you never do in competition, it seems like, in golf. And we felt rushed. I walked with Patrick Fishburne, and I had walked hundreds of rounds with him. And I just couldn't get him in the right rhythm. And I think uh, we felt maybe a little better in Arkansas. And I think we're going to do a great job of it today. Just taking some deep breaths, standing on the side, chatting a little bit. Summer Hayes was talking about the guys of just, you know, laugh, have fun, joke with each other, be, you know, be nice to yourself on the course. And I think that's, that's going to pay off for us. That we are just getting a little more experience. And this isn't a new thing for us anymore. Luckily, Carson's already done it. He's excited about the opportunity. And all the other guys are just embracing it. Now, you brought up Carson Lundell. I mean, his emergence as mm. the number one has been fantastic. And for him to win that regional the way he did, how cool is that? He shared with us a story of you telling him, hey, I, I think you're going to win this thing, man. Like, go get it. Go do this. What was that like for you as his coach to watch him on those final few holes be in position to do that? Hey, we've, you know, I've walked a lot with Carson and we've had some tough moments out there on the course. He's such a great player. I mean, he hits the driver so long. He's accurate with his irons. He's to me, the best putter in the country. And, you know, he's had a lot of ties for first and for him, that's been frustrating. He wants to win outright. He wants to dominate and it, it really hasn't been there for him. And so I'm like, I'm going to try something new. I'm going to get in his face and I'm going to go, Carson, tell me you're going to win this tournament. Yes. You know, there's no, no more ties. You're just going to go win this thing. 
and he had four holes left. He had an easy par five that we were standing on in the fairway. And I'm like, let's, let's make birdie or Eagle and just, just win this thing outright. And he repeated it back to me and he got the win. And, uh, you know, even on the 18, I remember him saying on your show that, you know, I had summer haze, just kind of stay there. And he's <laughs> what's going on, Miller. And I'm like, <laughs> I wanted to go through every number. I walked up to that green before he hit the shot. I stepped it off to the foot where I wanted him to land that ball. And I wanted it to be right when he got there that he felt a hundred percent confident because he was, he had a tough shot. He was in the right rough. It was a flyer lie. The wind was down to the right. I mean, he had to land it in a perfect spot to get it, you know, where he could either make an easy par or a birdie. And uh, he hit the exact shot he needed to. And I was, I was so pumped for the kid. It was just a big burden off of his shoulders and, you know, he's just building a great resume for himself to play professional golf. And he won by a stroke. Every stroke matters. Every little piece of everything matters. Um, and Carson told us on the show, as you mentioned, he felt that BYU didn't play its best golf at the regional, yet took third to qualify. So where do you feel like you can play better golf in the championships to try and compete for a national title here? Well, at regionals, we got off to a pretty poor start. We had two doubles in the in the first couple holes, and um, as a coach, I mean, it was a shot to the gut. I was like, man, I mean, this is not how I expected our team to come out on a pretty easy course those first two holes, and then we just kind of we weathered it and we started to play a little bit better, you know, every day. And you know, for our freshman uh, Tyson Shelley to come out that last round in birdie four of his first six holes, it was like, okay, you know, we deserve to be here. Yeah. We're, you know, we're ranked somewhere around 45th to 50th in the country, but we can play with Stanford. We can play with Arizona State. And so um, the great thing about the national championship is it's a stroke bait tournament, and we get a chance to qualify in that top eight and get into match play, and then it's just anybody's game. Uh, you only have to beat one team at a time. Yeah, let's walk through the dynamics of that because there are 30 teams, and so for those fans across BYU Sports Nation that are going to be watching you closely, what are the numbers that they need to hope that BYU is in position to hit so that you can get into match play by Monday? Okay, so we play our Sunday round today, and you won't be able to see that go in until everybody has finished the round on Sunday. So you start with 30 teams. They play Friday and Saturday and Sunday, and they cut it from 30 to 15. And then after that cut, you play on eight on Monday, and they cut it from 15 to eight. And then you go into match play on Tuesday and Wednesday. Those are the numbers. Congratulations on just an incredible run here in the postseason, Coach. Uh, we wish you and Bruce and Danny Summerhays and all the guys out there in Arizona the best of luck. We're sending you a huge amount of BYU Sports Nation yes. karma. We gave it to Bruce, and it worked at regionals. So hopefully that uh, streak continues there in Arizona for you. Hey, we have great karma. You had uh, Mike Weir that won here um, at this course. My dad was called the Desert Fox. So we have all kinds of great <laughs> That's awesome. More we can get from you guys. I love it. And tell the Desert Fox we say hello as well. Love the Miller family. Congratulations, Coach. We'll be rooting for you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Go Cougs. You got it. Todd Miller with us on BYU Sports Nation, the director of golf. So I'm headed to his closet after this tournament. A lot of people don't know. Like Todd has significant way on what uh, Kerry Roberts and BYU women's golf do as well. Like He's over all of that. You're talking uh, apparel. No, well, not just that. Like coaching. Like he consults with Kerry and BYU women's golf as well. Oh. Like he's over all of BYU. Oh, that's golf. cool. 
Yeah, he's... it's great staffs on uh, on staffs on both yes. uh, teams, man. It's awesome. Good luck, boys. Let's go. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Jakob Hatch reports Missouri State will play uh, in Provo on men's hoops on November 16th. What do you think of the match? I love it. I feel like BYU earned that return matchup because BYU played a true road game and beat Missouri State last year. I wish that win would have been a little bit better, but it was still pretty solid last year on BYU's yeah. resume. Why the beep would BYU ever play at Missouri State if it wasn't going to get a home game right out of it? 23-11 uh, and 11 were the Bears. NIT first round loss to Oklahoma, 72 in net. So we're hoping this is a quad two game. It has to be between 31 and 75 next year. We've yeah, learned a few things. Yeah. We know that the San Diego State series is going to continue. So BYU will play San Diego State in Viejas. They will play Missouri State in Provo. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a game against Utah. And there's going to be a game against Utah State. I'm writing all this down. Okay. We know at least four of the non-conference My games. My handwriting's so bad quick. Like, look how bad that is. <laughs> so bad. Anyway. Yeah, I, I like the match. Make a great doctor. <laughs> Jerem, you said earlier this week that you're not really impressed by strong guys, athletes doing these feats of strength on social media. Like they're Kyle Van Noy breaking the uh, yeah duct tape. I believe you're, you're was an NFL the instigator. Like, I'm this. not impressed. I'm sorry. Well, Tijon Karoma may have changed your mind with this video. Uh, he's <laughs> he's deadlifting the weight of a bear. <laughs> There's literally no more room on that bar to put on. They used all the 50s. Uh, are you impressed now by this? Yes, I'm absolutely impressed. <laughs> I feel like I said this to you in the moment it's when I saw it. Well, Kyle Noy and duct tape is different than that. I expect to see T. John competing yeah. in the world's strongest man at some point on ESPN2, watching at like 1.30 in the morning. And, and the play-by-play play will be BYU be, alum Todd Harris. It'll be Todd Harris. Yes. Like doing just the car pull up a hill. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever. Like... He'll be competing against guys named Lars. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Lars is the real girl. Really right. weird movie. Anybody seen that one? <laughs> that movie's crazy. Anyway. Yeah, there'll be a Lars and a Kristoff, like these guys from Finland and Iceland, and then there'll be Tijan. Yeah, the mountain shows up, <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I am definitely impressed by that. But generally speaking, like, hey, I can do a lot of push-ups and sit-ups. I'm a pro athlete. It's like... That's what you do. That'd be like me saying, you know how many words a day I can fit in? How many thoughts I can cogitate? I'm paid to talk! By the way, that video came from the Michigan Panthers because T-John is playing in the USFL. That's cool. That's great. Good for T-John. Yeah. Clearly, he's uh, strong enough. How many Panthers are in at Michigan? that level? I think that's a question that needs to be answered. <laughs> BYU baseball season ended last night. 5-1 loss to LMU in the West Coast Conference Tournament. How would you describe the season? Uh, impressive with a disappointing finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just so impressed with the ability of the team and the coaching staff to figure things out. When you think about That's losing... That's a phrase you just I- Indeed. And he put them in a position, leaving halfway through the season, to figure some significant things out. What are you going to do? Are you going to buy in? Are you going to keep going? BYU went on a tear. The back half of conference play, albeit yep. the schedule lightened up, but they still had to win a bunch of games. They did. Got to the number four seed, all with an interim head coach. And you're playing without your best player, Andrew Pintar, basically the whole season. And Cole Gamble sat out a good yes. deal of the season, and he's arguably the second or third best player. Yes, adding to that. Fourth seed, really good, all things considered. I'm disappointing not to get into the double elimination portion, certainly, but 11-3 overall in the final 14, 9-2 in the final 11 West Coast Conference games. Tremendous year, given all the adversity. Because you can't control 
what's gonna happen to you? You just have to control how you react to it, right? And I thought BYU reacted really well. Did they win eight conference games in a row in the back half? Eight or nine? I mean, that's so tough to do in baseball. It's crazy. No, what what are you, the Yankees? It right now, not like, happen. Crazy, yeah. Well, yeah, great season, well done, tough finish. Yes. Stranger Things 4, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Top Gun Maverick headline a huge weekend of media content, Jerem. They all premiere this weekend. Which one are you going to consume first? Stranger Things 4, yeah. Oh, you're going to change uh, things. Absolutely. Yeah. So they're dropping seven episodes, I think, and then part they'll one, do they'll do like a another two drop in a couple weeks. Yeah. Okay. So you're going all in on Stranger Things four. Yeah, because I can watch all seven. To get Kenobi's ready, Kenobi's one a week. To get yeah. ready, are you have you watched Stranger Things three again? No, I wish I would have. Okay. I have not created the time. Well, <laughs> because you've got like I don't know, twenty eight things there's going a, on, other things and going a family on. and kids. Well. And- Here's the thing. Strange <laughs> Things 3, I watched at like midnight to 8 a.m. straight through when it came out. <laughs> and then I like slept that whole afternoon. I was on vacation. <laughs> I was going to say, were you alone? The, no, I was with my in-laws on the uh, Oregon coast and uh, yeah, could afford to like just not be helpful whatsoever. Because <laughs> yeah, once you, once you have kids, you have to be helpful. Hey, hey, you guys got it. I'm out for the next 24 hours. Yeah, it wasn't that long, but yes. How about you? I'm all in on Top Gun Maverick. Nice. I have always been a Top Gun guy. Like, if you I gonna go of, see it this weekend? Absolutely. Nice. If I think of movies that I loved as a child, there are two that immediately float to the top: Back to the Future, Future. and Top Gun. Yeah, these are epics, classics. Like, and they came out, I think, within the same calendar year. Right? Because Back to the Future was eighty-five, and then Top Gun was eighty-six. Gotcha. And we were real little on those. Man, so oh man, I was, I was five years old. Yeah. And th- I mean, those were like early childhood memories, yes. and I love those movies from the get-go. Speaking of, IGN reports Winnie the Pooh is being made into a horror film called Blood and Honey. What are we doing? Will you be watching? This? No. This is ridiculous. Oh, Christopher Robin, come here. No! I'd like to stab you. Like, what? <laughs> what the heck is that all about? Eeyore, Eeyore is about to be real depressed in this oh, one. Oh, bother. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, what? what the heck? You can't think of A anything tigger. else? Leave leave the pure the purity of Winnie the Pooh alone. A tigger is a tigger with a knife. <laughs> like, my my three-year-old Tate knows... Deep in the, he knows that whole song. We will not be showing him any image. I looked at like an image of this and I was like, oh my god, it's disturbing. No, that's enough. My We're kids not- just took pictures with all the Winnie the Pooh characters yes. at Disneyland. Yes, leave it alone. Why did one have a Bowie knife suddenly? This is insane. Oh my goodness. Join the conversation 24 7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Our first guest of the day is the fastest high school athlete in the Beehive State. Hey! Yes, the fastest man in Utah. And he is also a BYU football commit. Parker Kingston making his BYU Sports Nation debut. Parker, welcome to the show. How are you this morning? Good. Thanks for having me. Congratulations on winning the 100 meters in this Class 6A state championship. At BYU, by the way. At BYU against a bunch of your future teammates. What was that experience like for you? It was fun. Yeah, it was definitely fun competing with uh, 
Cody and Smith. Now I just got to try and get um, Smith to come to BYU for us. Okay, and you cut the hair, dude. It it looks good, but you used to have even longer hair, did you not? Yeah, I did. I definitely did, but it was annoying, so I <laughs> I trimmed it off so I could run faster. I was gonna say, is that why? Did, did that not that like does it slow you down a little bit? Um, I don't know. I had it pulled back in a bun, so it wasn't like too bad, but I feel like it was heavier. Hey, good thing you're not going to BYU Idaho, man. Buns aren't allowed. So, uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. But, but the the speed is awesome. We were talking, uh, Parker, about is this group of receivers with, with Cody and Marcus McKenzie and company going to be the fastest in BYU history? I mean, you guys are all like sub-10-7 guys. Uh, what's yeah. that going to be like to, to bring the speed to BYU in the Big 12, bro? I think it'll be good. Um, I know that BYU hasn't been known for the fast guys, but I think we'll change that definitely when we're all there and uh, we'll – Turn some heads definitely to see if we're really – if they think we're fast now. The heads turning will be the DBs guarding you, by the way. That's the, those yeah. are the heads that are turning. Yeah, exactly. Parker Kingston with us on BYU Sports Nation, three-star recruit. Again, the 6A 100-meter champ in Utah, 10-5-3. Blazing. Yeah, super fast. Clearly faster <laughs> than some other uh, runners that have attempted s- certain sprints on BYU Sports Nation. Parker, he's talking about it himself. He ran the 40 <laughs> a few years ago. He claimed it could be sub-5. Five. 516 unofficial, Parker. But listen. Hey, that's pretty good. All right, listen. I'm 20 years removed from high school, man. Okay? <laughs> I'm trying. That's pretty good. Let me ask you. Why BYU for you? Because clearly you were highly recruited. You had several options. Everybody wants speed on their team. Why BYU for you coming out of Roy High School? Um, I like the culture that BYU had. Uh, I definitely like the coaches. Um, they made me feel a part of the team, even though I wasn't already. And they made me feel like they were family. And they just did a really good job of bringing me in, showing me around, and I knew as soon as I got done on the visit and getting my offer, I knew that that was the place. Okay, Roy High School, Jim McMahon, the history there, the uh, the black and gold, yellow, yellow, uh, looks looks great. What's the history of kind of Roy, and do you feel any kind of kinship to Jim since you went to the same high school, man? Um, yeah, I definitely do now that he went to Roy and BYU. I feel like it's, like, it's kind of cool. He followed me on Twitter the other day, which – was kind of a nice. big deal. Nice. It was pretty sweet. So, yeah, I think it's it's a pretty pretty close, tight-knit thing. I, I, I assume off the field you're a little different than Jim. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Had to ask. Uh, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> You're talking with Parker Kingston. Clearly, speed is in your wheelhouse. What would you say is the best part of your receiver skill set at this point of your football career? I would say my hands. I feel like I have pretty sure hands. Um, I feel like I can get open, but we'll see what happens when we get to the college level. But I still feel like I can I can do what I need to do to get open and catch the ball. I read that you really like Dax Milne and his game and feel like that's that's a comp for you. Um, is, is, yeah. is that is that it, okay? That's true. Um, how do you feel like you could be a Dax Milne type guy? Um. I feel like I can be that sure-handed receiver. Um, I feel like I can be that uh, comfort uh, type of receiver for the quarterback if he's ever in doubt that he can throw it, and I'll be there. But 
We'll see what happens. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Okay, so Dax Milne is clearly an NFL receiver you're trying to emulate. Are there any other receivers that you look closely at and watch them and try and implement their specific skill set into what you do? Definitely Cooper Cup. He's the one guy who I look at and I like, I want to be like him. I want to do what he does. So we'll see. Uh, hard to argue with Cooper Cup. Yeah, like the the greatest receiving year we've ever seen last year uh, in football history. It was, it yeah. was incredible. Okay, um, we know you have some personality because we follow you on the gram and a uh, little, little dumber, dumb and dumber action. Harry and Lloyd with one of your buddies from uh, yeah. Roy. That was, that was, and I think yeah. we have a photo. That was awesome, man. Tell us about the inspiration to do that. Um, we've wanted <laughs> to do it for a long time, uh, and it doesn't fit me and him better than going out in our last dance as Dumb and Dumber because we've been buddies <laughs> since we were like eight years old, and it, 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 nothing fits better. Did you have to have that custom made? Where did you get the suit? We got it on Amazon for 15 bucks. Fantastic. Whoa! A costume. Well, just a straight costume. That's yeah. amazing. I know what Spencer and I yeah. are doing for Halloween now. Yeah. yeah. We, we may have to just copy that. We, we just have to copy it. And we saw the long hair, by the way, there from you in that photo. Yeah. It looked good, man. Parker. Thank you. And we're looking at your timeline, uh, both on social media and just in life in general, wondering what's next for you now that you're graduating from Roy and, and moving on, what's your timeline like over the next few months and into the next year? Well, I go down to BYU June 18th and I start school and practices. So I don't, I have a little bit of summer, so I'm going to try and enjoy it with the friends back home and then, you know, keep working, keep doing some training and then go down June 18th and I'm ready to compete. Nice. So it'll be fun to see you this freshman year. Any mission plans, or or will you play four years straight through? I think I'm going to play four years straight through. Gotcha. Okay, so the four years straight through. In year number one, you said you're going to compete and go. What type of an impact are you hoping to have in year number one? Um, I'm hoping to have an impact wherever uh, I can find a spot on the field. I don't care where it is, but if I can earn a spot, then I'll make an impact wherever I'm at. You've trained with Ross Oppo, a former BYU receiver. What has he said about the BYU experience and preparing you for this? Um, he said he uh, he loved it there. Um, he said he's super excited for me. He thinks I'll fit in well and do pretty good um, throughout my years. So I'm happy. Okay, and we need to ask you about the Big 12. BYU making the transition to Power 5 status, you clearly – are going to have a significant role in the BYU receiver staff when the Cougars make that jump to a Power 5 conference and the Big 12. How do you feel about that, and what was your uh, reaction to that when you found out that that was happening? Um, It was pretty sweet, you know, not like – I mean, being in a Power 5 conference, is that's pretty huge. Um, I'm excited for that. I think there will be some – Really good competition. Get to play teams that you uh, dream of playing against or just saying, wow, what if I played against them one day? And now, 
now I get to play against them. So I think it'll pre- be a pretty surreal experience. Parker, were you already decided on BYU before that decision happened, or did it factor into you choosing BYU at all? Um, it factored in a little bit, but I was already decided that I was going to go there, and then I heard the talks and rumors of them going into the Big 12, and that also helped a lot. But I think I was pretty set on BYU no matter what. Hey, congratulations on everything in your high school career. We can't wait to see you down here in Provo. Uh, Good luck with the summer. Enjoy the time while you have it. We'll talk to you again soon here in Studio B. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.